Welcome to another fun-filled edition of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Let's get in rhythm, folks. Let's get in rhythm. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott uh, coming to us from quote unquote parts unknown. I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S I D K I D A zero. That's S I D K I D A zero. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, and Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, as part of the WeAreRegalRadio.com family, a.k.a. War Media, by simply going to War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor. We're also on iHeartRadio. Please download the iHeartRadio app. When you do, type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. Once again, that's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on the tube. We're on YouTube. You can not only hear us, or you can watch us do our thing. We're at War Media. Once again, W-A-R-R Media. Hello. 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 I forget it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We yeah, exist, Lamont, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah Lamont's signal's not going yeah, to work with Lamont down there in, uh, in, in the boonies. That's not going to work. <laughs> But like, comment, share, subscribe uh, to our YouTube page at War Media. Please get those likes up. Smash that like button, like the page, comment on it, share the video, and you'll enjoy it. Yep, yep. All right. So uh, it, it feels good, guys, knowing that we don't have to worry about the having to preview a Bears game because I, I you know, I would get very angry. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I, I, w- I would say, I would say like, sort of like our Bears midseason report card, if you will. What grade would you give them? Yours truly will you give them. No. Uh, uh, yours truly will get them. No, no, Sid, you go, Sid. Okay. Yours truly will get them a C minus. And this is me grading on the curve only because. They started off the season five and one. If you listen to this show all season long, we told you guys that this thing wasn't as good as they, they as their record was before they started this the current four game losing streak. Uh, the schedule was in their favor. They took advantage of that, and now you start to see their play against better competition. And as I mentioned, they're on the current four game losing streak. Against uh, better competition, they get a big fat F. So on the curve, I'm giving them a C minus, and that's just me being fair. Generous, you being generous, you being real generous. What about you, Lamont? At least I'm being honest. I'm not gonna go with it. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going with an F because of the five and O. That's the only reason. But they get a solid D, not a not a D plus or nothing. They get a solid D. Because I don't see where they've made any growth. I mean, they look like they're retracting. They're, they haven't made any growth. And the 5-0 and o was a lucky 5-0. and o. And as we had been saying all season long, the 5-0 and o was uh, lucky. It wasn't a real 5-0. and o. So they can have my D. That's passing. So they shouldn't complain. 
I'm, I'm going to give them a D, too, because of their, their defense has kept them afloat. The 5-0, and I've, like, I've been, like we've been saying for, for months, you know, it's a, it was a mirage. You know, the defense, you know, they got lucky on some of these games, and it's, it's coming back to bite them in the butt. And, look, we saw it on the Monday night game against Minnesota. Look, mm-hmm. their, their, their deficiencies on offense and, yes, even the defense have given up some big plays. This team, this team has problems. And unfortunately, it's not going to be solved after the bye week. I don't think it's happening. They, they look, they brought in Deshaun Kaiser, who hasn't played in like in two years. So, you know, that, that's just how, how far this team has fallen. And I've heard some people say that maybe they, and I guess we'll ask Fred this when, we, when he comes on, but, you know, do you think that the Bears should just, I don't know, maybe just tank the rest of the season? You know, that way they can tank for a quarterback. Yeah. Tank for a quarterback. Or put them in a good position to take maybe a good old lineman, which has been an issue for them these last few years. So I'll put it on the floor with you guys. What do you think? I don't think they're going to have to take the tank. I think their natural coaching and playing and the what they're doing right now will give us a good draft pick. I don't see – I see two wins maybe for the rest of the season. So that's going to put them in a position to get a good draft pick anyway. I don't, I don't see us having to tank because they're just naturally going to tank. And even if the defense rises, it seems like the offense is going to find a way to pull it back down and they're not going to get where they're trying to get. Tanking, I know it's not a, uh, the greatest idea, but this is the quickest way to improve your team. But you got to have comparable uh, management that knows what the hell, hell they're doing. Right now, the Bears don't have a compliment manager general manager, i.e. Ryan Pace, who knows what the hell he's doing. Yes, I'll give him a, a few uh, uh, props here and there on a couple of players he picked up on the back end in the later rounds. We'll dig, dig, dive, dig, 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 oh, boy, they're, they're making me so mad I can't even talk Take about it. Later, later, but I, if, let's just say Lamont's uh, – Best case scenario, Lamont is correct. They only win two games from here on out after the bye week. That puts you at seven and nine. It puts you in the middle of that first round. You're not going to get a quarterback. So for the people who say, well, they're going to lose the rest of the games of the, of the season, they'll go five and 11. Sorry, folks, you have a team called the New York Jets, and even if they win two games, you're still not going to get Trevor Lawrence. So that, that pipe dream is out the window, baby. It's not going to happen. Like you mentioned, Lakina. Whether it's uh, assuming that Ryan Pace is out of here, which he should be, whoever your new general manager is or player personnel in quotes, if you watch it on on YouTube, uh, that 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 personnel person is going to come in here and has to fix everything. Everything's not going to happen overnight, but if you, if that's but this person is a smart uh, GM, you're going to have to draft an offensive lineman. Uh, uh, that's, of course, that's not all that the Bears need, but you, uh, we all know that the that championship teams, the game of football, if you want to build a championship team, it starts on the trenches, both on the defense and offensive lines. And uh, you you will have to pick a quarterback, but the quarterback that you want will not be there uh, in the middle rounds, assuming that you finish 6 and 10, 7 and 9. Know your personnel, I guess, and no, whoever – well, and whoever, uh, I'll say this, whoever they end up getting, look, if they may have to, like, wipe the slate clean and start over. They may have to start trading guys. They mm-hmm. may have to trade Khalil Mack again. They may have to, you know, trade the, that veteran defense. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. again, I mean, I, who, who knows what's going to yeah. happen, but, you know, you'll, we'll see. Go ahead, Lamont. 
No, I was saying what they probably can do, they might have to start looking at the second best quarterback that's coming out and and get a they're gonna finish in the middle of the pack. They making trade up from that spot by getting rid of one of those veteran pieces that you're talking about. So we making get rid of a Cal Fuller maybe and trade up out of that middle of the pack spot and get the second best quarterback. We know getting the first best quarterback is out of the question because Dallas is still raggedy. Dallas ain't going nowhere. It's a couple of teams that's going to be worse than us, no matter what we do. So, I mean, maybe they could trade up a little bit by moving one of those veteran pieces like a Fuller and still stick with the Mac and try to rebuild it that way. Yeah, that new uh, uh, GM or slash player personnel comes in here and has that same philosophy that you guys are talking about. Uh, they're they're going to have to make moves like that. Get rid of a Kyle Fuller. Get rid of, like you mentioned, Lakina, uh, Akeem Hicks or a Khalil Mack again because I'm not saying the Bears are over the cap. Thank goodness that they're not, but they are uh, right around it. They, I give them credit that they managed the salary cap pretty good, but if that new uh, GM comes in here and says we have to start all over again, these are the moves they're going to have to make, and we'll see how much – these veteran players are worth in the open in the, in the trading market because the only way to get better is to get younger and you manage their manage their money until their contracts up. Look the way the NFL has been going for the last decade, especially with starting quarterbacks. You know, you win a Super Bowl or two in, in their rookie deals, i.e., Russell Wilson. And when it's time for payday, you're going to have to pay them. But you know, other areas of your team start to suffer. And we saw that with Seattle. Now they be able, they're been able to keep afloat and be competitive over these last couple of years uh, with the departures of those uh, veteran guys from, from their Super Bowl team from 2013. But uh, the Bears don't even have pieces to help them sustain that to tread water until they get good. You're going to have to tear this thing down and start from scratch and not only get a, a new uh, franchise quarterback, you have to still fix the offensive line, uh, the defensive line. Uh, will you still run the 3-4 or are you going back to the 4-3? We all know that uh, switching a new scheme takes at least a year, a year and a half to learn, and you have to go get a whole new personnel of players for that. So uh, this Bears franchise really has to take a good hard look at themselves in the mirror. And also, too, you don't know, and, all, and also you don't know what the salary cap's going to be next year. Salary cap might go down because of COVID, because of mm -hmm. declining revenue, because you, you don't have fans in the stands. So they may use that as an excuse to maybe not get rid of some people. So it's all sort of like in the mindset of what's going to happen. Yeah. I think this. I think them them not playing up to their ability happened at the worst time possible. I think this was their last chance to get it right, and they didn't get it right. So I think it's kind of biting them in their rear end, so to speak. I think they needed to get it right now, and they didn't. So that's going to hurt. You're listening to Second City Sports along with LaKenna McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown as we uh, discuss the Chicago Bears, the 2020 edition. This is their bye week. We're giving report cards, grades, and we're evaluating the team. Uh, like, as I, Going back to what you guys are saying, that uh, there's no more superlatives or anything. I can't really get upset, you know, because we've been telling you this all year. If you've been listening to our shows, uh, the Bears have to be realistic with themselves. 
this is not working. Uh, head coach Matt Nackett, we all know that he needs to go. And the off the, the rankings on offense has been the same since he's gotten here two years ago. In uh, all uh, important offensive statistics, they were third worst or, or at the bottom in the NFL. Third worst to worst in all important offensive statistics in the National Football League. And nothing has changed. We, we warned you guys that they rode the coattails of the defense two years ago, even though Mitch Trubisky had some success, but it all ultimately came back to bite them in the you-know-where. Last year, they didn't get away with it. This year, they almost got away with it. But as we see them right now with this current four-game winning streak, the off offense is, is not, I repeat, not in tune to what their personnel is. Lamont, give our new listeners, just in case they join us, what's your uh, slogan for head coach Matt Nagy until he leaves? What he's about to get? He needs oh, to get no, a talking about your slogan for him. Coach, your Say it again, Lamont. Yeah, I mean, no, I was saying, what do you need? I mean, as far as that grade point, they, I mean, they got a D because of the – No, you had your slogan, coach your team or not your team or something like oh, that. Oh, 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 my slogan. He need, oh, oh, I'm sorry, my slogan. He needs to yeah. coach his team and not his scheme. He needs to – I mean, I haven't got the T-shirts made because I'm not in Chicago right now. But he needs <laughs> to coach his team and not his scheme. And I think – It'll be bad to give him new players because he still is going to coach his scheme and not his team. You can give him deep Metcalf. You can give him Metcalf right now and uh, Brady. He's still going to try to coach his scheme. You don't have a running back. You know what I'm saying? You don't have an offensive line. He's still going to try to coach his scheme and not his team. So, yeah, I might make him and send him one and see do he wear it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well the, the thing is, is that the, team, the, the, the rest of the league is caught up to him. He was able to get away with it his first year because it was new, it was fun, it was exciting, and no one really knew how to stop it. But now people are realizing that, oh, you want to do a jet sweep to uh, Cordero Powers? Okay, fine. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you right away. Or, <laughs> or you know, let, let's, try, let's try Ryan Nall. Let's put him out there like, and see what he does. Any I mean, Cordell in the game. Go ahead, Lamont. But look at it. Let me ask you a question, look at it. Do you think do you think it was a mistake even at the beginning of the season with them just not getting any running backs? Remember when we was doing the beginning of the season, I made a statement that why didn't they pick up any they don't have any running backs, so that should have let us know then that he was never intending on ever running the ball. And now we see it. I, I mean, look, it's look, we you know, they haven't used David Montgomery as much as they should have. I mean, Cordero Patterson, you know, it's not a running back. I've been saying that for like a month now. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you brought in Lamar Miller, but we didn't really see too much. Did he of do better last week? No, we, we really didn't see him much. <laughs> you only saw him like, once didn't or twice. Didn't Cordero then. Patterson look better? Well, well yeah, he did. did Cordero Patterson? Well, as a punt did, returner, did yeah. Cordero Patterson look yeah, as a punter, no, as a punter, he looked good. Didn't Cordell Patterson look better? But that's not that's not saying much though. No, that's, in the slot as a receiver. That's about as far as he can go. Yeah, I mean, I'm just the, saying, but he looked better. He looked better out there than he did in the running back. Well, you, but you can't do that though. Every 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 it's, uh, it's single play, Lamonto. Yeah, it is. And, and it's funny. Go ahead. Yeah, you can't. It's 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 bad. 
I'm just saying, it's, it's just all around bad, you know. Uh, and, and later on in the show, when we get to talking, I'm going to tell you all one of the only bright spots I can say about the Bears is that being here, I had a chance to focus on another team, and I didn't have to see all of our woes. And we got a lot of them. But a lot of other teams got woes, too, that's winning. So uh, it's hard. You know, it's just hard being a Chicago Bear fan, reporter, all of that mixed in one. It's just hard. It, it's really hard. Do you okay? Real quick before we you know we move on to the Bulls, um, do you guys think that they think they can get it right? I mean, they have to play. They have to play uh, nope. Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Nation, you have to see their stickiness again. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, be subjected to their stickiness. Sorry. Hashtag Bears poop. You know, you know. Guess who that trending? Now you know what. The good thing they're gonna see is. Khalil Mack don't like Aaron Rodgers too much, so he going to go after Aaron Rodgers. That's the only good thing we got going for us on Monday night. Here's the thing, going back to the Bears running game. Last year, we, we had the same problem. Matt Nagy had to be shamed into running the ball because David Montgomery, he was a rookie last year, and we saw that uh, David Montgomery behind a comparable offensive line uh, could have such success. We all know that, knew that the Bears' offensive line struggled last year. Now, in the beginning of the season, they were doing okay before the injuries started taking a toll on them. And David Montgomery actually had a nice start to the season. He was hurt right before the season started, but he was healthy enough to play. We saw some potential in him. I'm still a believer in David Montgomery, but the rest of the offensive line is terrible, and Matt Nagy just refuses to change schemes. So you uh, – the change schemes to help the, to help the running game. Everybody knows you're going to pass. And yes, let's give the best credit at the time for making the correct switch in that Atlanta game from Trubisky to Nick Foles. But all but one game. Let me repeat that again. All but one game this year. Nick Foles has thrown at least one interception, and that and and that's just unacceptable. When when the tape is out on you, your opponents are feasible on you to make a mistake, and that's what's been happening to this Bears during this current um, four-game losing streak. Uh, you could basically say that uh, say the same thing's been happening all season long, even when they were winning early. Hey, see, let me ask y'all a quick question. Do uh, do you think that Bill Lazor taking over made a big difference in the play calling, and do you think it'll make a difference going forward? For like one uh, as of Monday's game, no. Will it make a difference going forward? I have a big question mark. It because we don't know who's going to start next Sunday night in terms of the quarterback, running back, the uh, wide receivers, you, you name it. It worked for like one series. And, and, and for like one, for one drive, it worked. The first but series, right? For first series, it worked. But like every, after that, you're, it, it was basically like basically <laughs> exactly what, it, what it's been. So I'm, I'm skeptical. Yeah, I, I really like you said. I seen a difference in that first series, and then it was back to the same old thing. But what I was thinking was, wasn't all these gentlemen in the same meeting together anyway? Yeah. So <laughs> what difference does it make who say go if y'all all together anyway? That that just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> you preach it to the choir right here, Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Uh, okay. all right. Uh. Do you, how many wins do you guys see real quick before Mr. Mitchell comes on? Two more. Two? Okay. So what about you? 
It pains me to say this, but I'm going with three. Somehow this team, just like last year, going to quote-unquote fight to the finish of eight and eight. Uh, it shouldn't save their jobs, but I, I, I kind of see the same scenario like last year. They'll find a way to go eight and eight. They'll win one of these games they're not supposed to win. Which one is it? I don't know, but they'll find one. Of, Green uh, Bay. They're going to upset Green Bay on Monday Night Football. Well, actually, that's Sunday night, but if they do um, – <laughs> well, oh boy. I, 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 I'll say I think they will. I think they will split the, the, the one of those Packers games, um, the Lions game. They should have lost the first one, so they'll probably lose this one. The Texans, like, look, I told, her, I told, look, I already said it's going to be like the, the, the Sean Watson revenge game, so the, I already got that as a loss. Vikings, we'll see where they are playoff wise. They may be able to they may be able to beat the Jags. We'll see where they are at, at that point. But I see maybe two wins, Max. That so we agree. Great man's finger like. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, well they need to need to uh, improve on that offense. Because if if you're like near the bottom, if you're like where the Jets are in offensive categories, and we all know how bad they are, that's yeah, that's not good. <laughs> Hashtag Bears poop. The defense will win those two games. The defense going to win them two games. That's how they're going to win the two. The defense going to win two games for them. <laughs> and it might be the Green Bay game. Oh, boy. And what we come to the conclusion is the same sorry script as, that has been written for this franchise since it started back in 1920. <laughs> Pretty much. Par for the course. <sighs> Par for the course. Now, real quick but before... You know, see, Ain't that, ain't that crazy, though? How we never had a quarterback ever, ever in a thousand years? How can we not just have one ever? Uh, like, I, if, if they build a museum, Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler is the greatest quarterback in Bears history. Uh, <laughs> you said the, the bar kind of low there, uh, Lamont. <laughs> That's the greatest right. quarterback in Bears history. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go All ahead, right, Ted. That's enough out of you, Lamont. <laughs> Look at the statistics. Look. Go ahead, Ted. Go ahead, Ted. Look no, at not... the stats. He got all the records. Okay. Well, <laughs> we got someone that can. We got someone now that can. That you can. We can ask about that. <laughs> Go ahead, Ted. <laughs> Joining us right now is a Chicago sports writer, a legend. Uh, he worked for the Chicago Tribune for 41 years. He's won numerous awards, and he has a, an award named after him uh, in, in assistance for college football athletes, in particular kickers. He's a humanitarian and an inspiration to us all, and especially for us African Americans. And working with him with the Dean Davis Show, as I uh, done before, we brought him on a couple of times to help talk about uh, the history of Chicago sports and the history of journalism in, in the sports field with uh, African-Americans in particular. Uh, we are honored and privileged to have on the honorable, uh, the legend and Hall of Famer, Mr. Fred Mitchell, joining Second City Sports. Sir, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for, for having me. Thanks for that nice introduction. <laughs> no problem. You deserve all the accolades that you achieved throughout your, throughout your career. So uh, salute to you. Thank you. Uh, not to give you a headache, but uh, you, uh, I know you're joining in uh, in the middle of our conversation. We were discussing the Chicago Bears. They started out the season 5-1. and one. They're now 5-5 five and five on the current 
four-game losing streak. Uh, do you see this uh, – they're on, they're on that bye week, but do you see this uh, season turning it around, perhaps sneaking into the playoffs, or do you see head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace uh, giving their pink slips at the end of the year? Oh, boy, that's a good, good question. Uh, you know, for starters, you know, uh, we sports writers are almost always asked to predict – uh, a team record at the beginning of the year, not knowing, you know, what injuries might befall the team or other circumstances that might happen. But it's kind of just sort of a gut feeling of, of how good you feel the talent is and the coaching is and, and the schedule and all that sort of thing. So uh, saying all that to say that at the start of this season, I, I predicted nine and seven for the Bears, which uh, at this point might might seem kind of lofty. But, you know, when I got off to such a great start, everybody got excited. Super Bowl, we're as good as anybody, yada, yada, yada. Uh, And uh, uh, the Bears are who we thought they were, right? So uh, (laughs) got our hopes up a little bit too high, I I, I think. Um, So I think think if they finished nine and seven, it'd be uh, doing pretty well at, at this point. Well, I actually also had them at nine and seven, Mr. Mitchell. And I, I think we've been warning people, all, all three of us, you know, for like for the last couple of months, actually since the season started, that this season, this team is not, that 5-0 and was a mirage, and it turns out we were right. So what, what's going on here? You got the defense, they're in the top 10 in a lot of categories, but then you got the offense near the bottom or at the bottom in many categories. I mean, there's just no synergy there. What, what do you think is happening? Yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? And, and uh, the calling card for Matt Nagy when he took over the Bears as the head coach was to be this innovative offensive guy, former college and, uh, I guess, Arena Football League quarterback, and he had all these great ideas. And uh, the first year or so, he kind of caught people by surprise in, in the league with some of his uh, uh, offensive strategies and the two-point conversions and going forward on fourth down. All these things caught – people by surprise initially, but the league caught up to him and he has not been able to adapt and, and, and adjust and provide a, a really s- a sound game plan. Uh, things have changed over the years, you know, offensively for just about every team in the NFL in terms of the running game. You know, we remember the great running backs of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s uh, who, who dominated teams. And it's not quite that way yet uh, now, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have uh, a bell cow running back uh, to, to lean on and take a lot of pressure off the quarterback. And I, I just – the Bears have not had that. Uh, their, you know, best guys are injured right now who, who could provide that running attack. So they're very, very predictable and uh, defenses have caught up with them. And if it weren't for uh, the Bears' special teams and their defense, uh, things would be a lot lot worse than they are right now, unfortunately. Lamont? Lamont? So uh, what do you think the Bears can do to come to that 9-7 and seven that you had predicted at the end of the season, sir? Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think they have to uh, try – some way to take care of the time of possession. I mean, the thing about a, a, a pass-oriented offense is that if it works, great. You know, you pick up the six, seven, eight yards uh, on, on the little slant passes and quick outs and that kind of thing. 
Well, if it doesn't work, uh, not only are you failing to pick up first downs and move the ball down the field, but you're also not using up much of the, of the clock and you're putting an inordinate uh, pressure on your defense. When you go three and out in about 30 seconds uh, and the defense is right back on the field, that makes it tough. So I think for them, you know, they're not going to be able to reinvent their offense at this point, but they have to be smarter about the types of plays they run and uh, eat up some of the clock and take some pressure off their defense. And uh, that means that they've got to establish a running game. Their, their offensive line is, is, is below average. But I think every offensive lineman will tell you that he'd much rather run block than pass block, go right after the guy in front of him. Uh, so I, I think they could give their offensive line some confidence by running more, eat up some of the clock, and then let their defense and special teams go to work and, and try to eke out some, some victories. They're, they're not going to beat anybody uh, 30 to nothing. Uh, so they're going to have to try to uh, eke out some 17-13 type uh, victories for them to prevail, I think. Staying with the Bears' offensive philosophy from a historical perspective, Fred, um, you have covered many bad Chicago <laughs> Bears teams throughout the throughout your career. And we talked about it's the same philosophy of uh, uh, score, barely score enough points to win, uh, run through yards in a cloud of dust and win games on defense. Uh, from your perspective, what's been the problem throughout the Bears, not just recently, but, but throughout their whole history of the franchise and not able to pick a franchise quarterback? Yeah, it just has not uh, appeared to be a priority on their part. And I think Bears fans were enthused when Ryan Pace took over as general manager when I think he said at a press conference that he intended to, to draft a quarterback every draft at some point in the draft. And he has failed to do that. Um, and we've seen, you know, over the years, there have been some diamonds in a rough uh, quarterbacks picked in the third, fourth, fifth round, sixth round, if you want to call it Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> doesn't happen very often, but, you know, if you don't try, uh, you, you're not going to have that opportunity. So I think, you know, the more times you select at that position and make it a priority, uh, the better chance at least you'll have to at some point uh, hit, hit, hit a jack, jackpot. But uh, until then, uh, you, you know, it, their offense never has really been very sexy, shall we say. Uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, not at all. Long, eating up the clock, and doing what you have to do to win and let the defense take care. Uh, so, in, you know, in my opinion, it doesn't matter how you win and how it looks. Uh, uh, there's always, you know, so much emphasis on, well, let's get, make sure the quarterback throws for 300 yards and completes 25, 30 passes. Uh, that's great. But if you don't win doing that, what does it matter? So whatever way uh, you have to go, depending on the – talent or lack of talent that you have on your team that's that's the way you have to do it know your person know your personnel that's always been my <laughs> philosophy my philosophy so um jesus where where do you where do you think the bears go from here do they i, I i've heard some people say they should go and just taint the rest of the season do they maybe try to get to that nine and seven eight eight that we were all were predicting earlier in the year do they perhaps maybe somehow sneak into the playoffs which could very well happen yeah. what, what do you think is going to happen 
yeah, you know, the ironic thing that could happen on the, you know, on the bright side is that because of the injuries at the quarterback position that they've had with Trubisky and, and Nick Foles, uh, that they will be even more limited in terms of the, the passing game, and they will be forced to sort of dumb, dumb down their, their offense uh, and, and make it a, a go that way. And that could, you know, perhaps turn out to be a good thing uh, for, the, for the entire team. But that's the best case scenario uh, that, that I look at that, uh, that forces them to, to do that. Injuries are a big part of the, of the game, not just for the Bears, for, for, for every team in the league. You know, so, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the last month or so here uh, of the season in terms of injuries to other teams as, as well as the Bears. So uh, I, I would not write off the season. Um, fortunately, they got off to a great start. Um, if they can end this skid with a, with a victory uh, next week, um, who knows what could happen. Lamont? Do you think the Bears? Do you think the Bears need to look at moving some of their veterans going forward to try to bounce back and get back on track quicker? Uh, I, I, I just think it's kind of late for that to happen. Um, but long term, I, I think there does need to be a, a reevaluation of the roster. Uh, we already talked about the decades-long lack of priority at the quarterback position. But also under this current Bears regime, leadership regime, uh, you've seen, a, I think, a, a lack of emphasis on the offensive line. And the great teams of, of, of the great Bears teams back in the 80s and Super Bowl years and early 90s, they always emphasize uh, getting top-rated offensive linemen. They draft them high. Uh, and, and don't just, you know, fill in with, with some guy that uh, they have a lot of questions about. So I think they, uh, big picture, need to really look at the offensive line because that's where it starts. Uh, that's why the quarterback is on his back all the time with the Bears now because they, they don't have proper protection. So if you, if you get the offensive line going, you can get a, a lot of other things going, the running game, the passing game, the whole – shebang. Uh, so I, I, I think it's at this point, it's, it's kind of too late to, to revamp things, but looking ahead, I would definitely uh, look at, look at changing their roster. Legendary Chicago sports writer Fred Mitchell is joining us right here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown. Mr. Mitchell, let's go over to baseball right now. Let's start off with my favorite team, the Chicago White Sox. Uh, they returned to the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Of course, they lose to Oakland in 2-1 uh, in their short wildcard series uh, playoff uh, match. Of course, uh, they fired Rick, Ricky Ritteria, and they hired old man Tony LaRusso. Of course, it came with some backlash from many Sox fans. Of course, it was due to uh, Tony LaRusso's stance. Well, on the Kyle Kaepernick kneeling situation from a few years ago. Uh, just sticking with the baseball side of it, what do you think of this hire for the White Sox going forward? It looks like uh, owner Jerry Ryan's story uh, is clearly sending the message, worst series or bust. Yeah, no question. It was uh, sort of a, a bizarre uh, choice in the minds of most uh, observers to, to go back in time, if you will, and mm -hmm. hire uh, a guy who uh, – 
coach or managed the White Sox in the early 80s. Uh, he, of course, he went on to become a Hall of Fame manager with, with the Cardinals in, in Oakland uh, and established himself as a, as a premier manager back in those days. And the big question now is, of course, how would he relate to these young players today who have a sort of a different way of uh, doing things and expressing their, their, their joy on the, on the field and breaking some of the old school rules of behavior I mean, flipping your bat and talking smack and that kind of thing on the baseball field. Uh, so that's, that, that's the question. Uh, in terms of, you know, baseball strategy, uh, a whole, I don't think a whole lot has changed uh, in that regard. And Tony La Russa has stayed close to the game in terms of uh, watching from upstairs as a sort of an advisor and consultant to, to various teams in, in Major League Baseball. So it's not like he's been, uh, you know, sitting in an old folks' home for the last 15 years. <laughs> uh, he knows what's going on. He knows baseball. There are some, you know, new strategies in the game, which I don't go along with completely either. Uh, you know, sitting back and waiting for the three-run homer all the time. It's great when it happens, but uh, sometimes the percentages aren't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a, a lot of that's going to be important. A lot of it also is going to be important uh, in terms of the coaches that he surrounds himself with, the pitching coach, the hitting coach, these people who deal with the players on a day-to-day basis. They will be, uh, you know, as significant perhaps uh, as, as Tony Russo as the manager. But uh, what Jerry Reinsdorf has done is kind of put the White Sox back on the radar and people will definitely be watching, uh, critiquing the team uh, on, on a – positive and negative basis. The expectations are high, which they should be. And uh, uh, it'll be exciting to, to see how, how things turn out. I, I'm happy that the White Sox are, are getting some of the headlines and the attention uh, that they deserve because there's some fine, fine young players. What about the Cubs? We saw you know, Theo Epstein deciding to you know, opt out basically and also now, you know, Jed Hoyer is going to take over. Now there's word that they may, you know, may make some big changes among the personnel. What about the Cubs? We saw the White Sox are on the way up. Are the Cubs on the way down? Are they kind of like going to be leveling off? Yeah, that's a good question. And that's, you know, uh, I think uh, Theo sort of answered that by saying, okay, I've done my job and I'm time to move on. And it's, it's a, very difficult decision for any general manager to come to a point to make a realization that, okay, the nucleus of this team has gotten us as far as they can get, and it's time to change things up. And I, I, I kind of think that's where we are with the Cubs, uh, because we've seen, you know, 2016, they won the World Series, uh, high expectations after that, and those, you know, First of all, there's lofty goals to, to match yeah. on a year-to-year <laughs> basis. But, you know, you want to be competitive. You want to be in a conversation uh, every year. And uh, Theo basically was able to do that with, with this team. But uh, I, I would not be surprised if there's some, some major trades made, changes made, and uh, some, some new personnel to, to, to come in. It's, it's not – once again, it's not an easy decision for any – 
general manager to make uh, when a guy's 32, 33 years old, and you're, you're wondering, is he going to come back to what he did two or three years ago, or is, is this going to be a steady decline? Uh, these are these are questions that they've got to answer now. Lamont, sticking with both, sticking with both teams, what key move do you think that each team could probably make to keep them both relevant next season and on a winning path? Like what, like one move do you think each one of them can do? Yeah, you know, I I, I don't know um, off the top of my head the, the list of possible free agents and, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but just position-wise, uh, you always hear people say can't can never have too much pitching. Uh, was a starting pitcher or closer, somebody you can count on on, on a regular basis. Uh, I'm sure each team would love to have that type of player on, on his roster. Uh, offensively, yeah. the White Sox look look very promising, right, with the MVP Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson and the young players, uh, Robert, and uh, these guys coming up. So I, I don't have a lot of uh, – questions about their offensive potential, but pitching wise, uh, I think if they had a, another ace uh, on their staff or, or a great closer, uh, same thing with the Cubs. Uh, those are the guys on a regular basis who can win games. Uh, too many times, uh, you know, you see teams uh, lose leads late in the game, starter comes out and uh, bullpen blows the game. Uh, these are when games are, are won or lost right at the end, I think. Uh, sticking with the White Sox, of course, we talked about earlier about the, one of the many reasons why the White Sox fans likes, white, likes this team is because of the attitude, or as the young people call it, swag, and it's led by Tim Anderson. Of course, Major League Baseball put out a campaign a couple of years ago uh, featuring now Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr. saying let the kids play. Uh, from your position, you cover a lot of social issues and a lot of cultural issues uh, in the world of sports throughout the years. Do you think that uh, what can Major League Baseball do to tr to attract more Latino and African American fans? Do do you, in your opinion, do you do you think they need to embrace that uh, new generation attitude? Because let's be honest here, uh, their hardcore audience is old white men, fifty years and older and up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I teach a class at uh, DePaul University called Sports Media and Society. And that's uh, one of the topics that we address. And I find so many uh, college age and, and older uh, individuals who are really either turned off by baseball or, or just don't embrace it the same way they do uh, basketball or, or football or in some cases, boxing or, or martial arts or, or mm -hmm. soccer uh, because they feel the game is too slow, too regimented and, uh, I, I, baseball has tried to address some of those problems by trying to speed up the game a little bit. Uh, and, you know, it is a chess match, and those people who really uh, enjoy the history of the game of baseball appreciate the pace of it, the slower pace of it. But uh, the attention spans for, span for, for a lot of young people is a lot shorter. Uh, you know, they, they see the personalities come out in the other sports more. 
whether you're, you know, especially in the NBA and even in the NFL, those leagues do a, a good job of uh, promoting their young stars and their, and their uh, uh, players who are more flamboyant. They celebrate those guys. Uh, baseball has been slow to do that. And I think they could do a, a much better job and they'll have to. Uh, it's really going to be interesting, I think, after this pandemic is, is over uh, to see how these sports rebound and, and how many of them are able to keep the fans that they've had and, and, and maybe, you know, collect more fans or how many of the sports will lose a lot of fans. Uh, people are going to monitor that to a great extent. But uh, yeah, the main complaint that I hear from younger people, especially, is that the, the game of baseball is, is too slow and, and too boring. Uh, so uh, they have to address that issue, I think. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to Harwell for a second and the Bulls. Totally new, you know, personal development. You got Arturis Karnaschavis, you got Mark Eversley. They just did their first draft. They drafted Patrick Williams out of Florida State. There were there are some, a lot of some Bulls fans that are kind of disappointed, but then I always tell people to kind of chill because, listen, I, I think people are suffering from, like, Stockholm Syndrome because they still have nightmares from the guard <laughs> packs era. So what are, what are what should be Bulls fans' realistic expectations for this season coming up especially? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I like to think that this is sort of a reset of their priorities and, and as far as putting together a roster. And I, I've got to think that the, they've got other plans in the works or in mind in addition to this uh, young player that people didn't expect to go this high, that uh, uh, they're trying to uh, go along with their, with their new coach and his philosophy, the types of players that he wants to put on his roster. Uh, so I think, like you said, we have to kind of wait and see uh, what transpires in terms of free agency and trades and, and see what the roster looks like. Uh, I, you know, I don't see a, an immediate transformation from, you know, looking at the roster the way it, it was. And when you look at every uh, championship team or, or great playoff team in the NBA, they all have uh, at least two superstars on their roster, at least. Uh, and, and the Bulls just don't have that one superstar. They've got some really good players, but not, not the, the superstar player. Um, so we'll have to, to wait and see. But, you know, in the interim, it looks to me like they're trying to reset the type of player that they have on the roster, the multi-faceted type guys. And I've got, like I said, I've got to think they've got something else in mind that we don't know about yet. I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Lamont? Sticking with the hardwood for a second, do you see one team that may have made out good during this draft or made the right trade so far? I mean, I know it's bad for Golden State, what just happened, but do you see any team that may have made themselves so much better after Wednesday night? Boy, it's hard to say, you know, at, at this point. Uh, you, lock, you look at the first, you know, top three picks, and you got to think those guys uh, should immediately be able to help their teams perform. Uh, 
but it's it's so many of these guys are so young, right? In the in the in the top ten, guys who are freshmen and sophomores uh, in college who haven't had a lot of experience and and, and don't have a lot of uh, things that you can look at statistically to to predict exactly what they're going to be able to do. <clears throat> so. So I don't, I really honestly don't know uh, at this early stage. Uh, as you mentioned, Golden State's uh, losing Clay Thompson. That was just terrible uh, for, for him individually and for the team. Just yeah. really, really, really feel savvy uh, about that. All right, heading down the home stretch with Chicago legendary sports writer, Mr. Fred Mitchell, right here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown. Mr. Mitchell, let's go back in time a little, a little bit uh, since we had these last couple minutes with you. Of course, we all watched The Last Dance on ESPN a few months ago. I believe the series is out on Blu-ray right now. I know you had a front row seat for the Chicago Tribune doing all those six world championships uh, teams with Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson and the rest of the cast of characters. Uh, what did you think about the last dance? It turned out to be really Michael Jordan's last dance, but what did you think about the documentary overall? Yeah, I, I found it very uh, entertaining and, and informative. You know, I, I view whenever I read a book or watch a movie or a documentary, read a newspaper article, magazine, my rule of thumb is that if I come away from it uh, learning something and say, hmm, I didn't know that, then uh, that may, makes it worth my time. And uh, as you said, I had a front row seat with all those championship teams and traveled to all their, their playoff games, et cetera. And I learned some things still, uh, some things behind the scenes where the media is not allowed back in the training room to uh, overhear the conversations between the players and themselves and the coaches in the locker room. Uh, I, I found that very uh, informative as well. So I, I, I thought it was very, very well done. And they had unbelievable access and to get the reaction of, of Michael to a lot of the things that they uncovered and it was, was priceless. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's hard to believe uh, you'll have a collection of players and coaches like that anytime soon. Again, uh, Phil Jackson was a, was a pleasure for us in the media because mm -hmm. uh, he was very forthcoming and he uh, very thoughtful with his responses. He didn't give you the cliche answers. And uh, obviously after watching the, documentary you could see that he was very thoughtful with his players um, being able to handle a, a range of personalities um, from Dennis Rodman to Scottie Pippen to Steve Kerr and Michael mm -hmm. Jack, uh, Michael Jordan all those guys had different personalities and make them work as a team uh, more than anything else and it, I think he doesn't get a lot of, uh, enough credit for that because uh, everyone knows you know, everyone knows what a great player Michael Jordan was and says, oh, well, he had this, you know, best ever player. But uh, he did a lot more than just roll the ball out there and, and say, go play. Uh, he, he got all these personalities to, to work together and win all those championships. That's, 
you know, repeating is always more difficult than winning uh, that first one uh, in whatever sport you're talking about. Last question for me, Mr. Mitchell. Um, yeah. Social social issues are becoming a big, you know, big you know, topic you know, these last few months, especially since the pandemic started. Seeing athletes, both pro and college, sort of stand up and you know making their voices heard. You know, do you think this continues? You know, how do you compare this to when you when you play? Because it was still it was still going on. You know, even back then, and now and now it's you know you got social media and everything. It's much more nuanced. So, what do you think about the times changing from more and more athletes speaking out? Yes. Well, you, well, you mentioned it right there. The social media is the biggest difference. And, um, you know, as a reporter, you have to monitor all social media of the, of the athletes and coaches nowadays, uh, whereas in the 80s and, and 90s and early 2000s, you, you didn't have that issue. Uh, one thing I wonder about is um, when it comes to, to politics and other social issues nowadays, Athletes, you know, tweet tweet everything out there, and this is how I feel. I like this person. I don't like that person, and so you've got conflicting opinions on the same team. So I'm wondering how that plays out for a teammate who says, "Wait a minute, this guy that throws his passes to me every day has, you know, completely different political views than I do. <clears throat> how can I, you know, coexist with with somebody like that?" Uh, so I wonder uh, about that and uh, uh, access to players is different now, especially in the NFL where they only trot the player out there for a press conference in front of everybody and you don't have the one-on-one -on -one access that you used to have when I was covering. But on the opposite end of that, like I say, it's a social media thing where you see uh, things an exchange of conversations with one player with another player with a fan player with the media uh all of these things so it's uh truly a case of uh more than what you see on the playing field going on uh when you when you monitor social media in terms of you know player contracts uh how a player gets along with the coach all this thing is, is out there for everybody to see uh, and a lot of, you know, we think about players in the eighties and nineties, especially uh, who did not, uh, you know, cell phone video was, was not a big deal. And uh, you wonder how they would have existed. <laughs> and we're taking pictures of them every time right. they were out doing something mm. perhaps inappropriate. We would have a lot different opinion about some of these uh, guys today, I think. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about it. Lamont, you got another, you got another last question? Last question, last question for me. What advice would you give a young Afro-American reporter who wants to sustain the longevity and success that you have had in this business? Well, thank you. Uh, uh, <clears throat> yeah, man, I mean, I, first of all, I was very blessed uh, to, to, uh, to have a 41 and a half year career at Chicago Tribune. And my best, uh, best advice to young African-American uh, journalists, or any journalist for that matter, is uh, a couple of things. First of all, uh, think about some of the advantages that you have now 
in terms of uh, a blog or uh, anything of that nature that you can use to write on a regular basis, okay? Because uh, when you go to a potential employer, um, in addition to asking about your education and experience, they want to know, well, give me some examples of what you've done. So if you've got some stories that you've written uh, that you can produce and show, that's a big plus. The other big advice I give is uh, get your foot in the door in any uh, aspect that you can right, of, of a company that you want to be associated with. So when I started for the Chicago Tribune, <laughs> for instance, I wasn't a, a writer. I was a, a copy editor. And that's somebody who writes the headlines for the story and reads, uh, you know, edits the copy for spelling and grammar and back check and that sort of thing. And uh, I, I wanted to be a writer and, uh, you know, that was my long-term goal. But I, I, I was willing to do this to start out with and to learn the business professionally. And then when I finally got my opportunity, I felt like I was ready, ready to go. But if I had gone in uh, with the attitude of, hey, I, need, uh, I want you to hire me as a columnist, or I want you to hire me as a beat writer covering the Bears or the Bulls or the White Sox, right away, they might say, they probably would say, well, you know, you don't have enough experience, or we, you know, we don't have any track record to, on a basis to, to get you started right away. But we do have a job over here you know, editing some copy, answering the phone, whatever they might have for you to do. So you have to humble yourself sometimes and say, okay, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And eventually people will notice uh, your work habit, your work ethic, and uh, uh, your ability and willingness to do whatever it takes. And then when it a position opens up, they will say, hey, well, I remember this guy. Yeah, he, he works hard and he worked overtime and he did this and he did that. He did more than we expected. Let's give him a shot. So you have to be willing to do, just get in there to get noticed first and, uh, and, and, and then get your, your dream position. You have to pay your dues. I paid my dues uh, for several years and a lot of long nights and, you know, I questioned myself when I was really young, you know, is this really what I want to do? And the answer kept coming back, yes, this is what I want to do. And uh, hmm. I remember the first opportunity I got to write was covering high school sports. And so I jumped at that opportunity and I covered people like Isaiah Thomas and Doc Rivers and Terry Cummings, these guys, Chicago area guys in high school. Uh, and, and wrote lots of stories about them. And they kept telling me, hang in there. When a job for a professional team comes open, you're going to be right at the top of the list. So they gave me the Bulls beat, then came the uh, Cubs beat, and the Bears beat, and on and on. But you have to, you have to be willing to show people that, hey, I'm willing to put my head down and, and work and not complain. And uh, you know, when the opportunity comes, you, you'll you'll be the guy or the woman.
All right, that was Mr. Fred Mitchell, a legendary Chicago sports writer. Before we let you go, Mr. Mitchell, we'd like to give you a huge round of applause. Uh, for You set an example for all of us future um, uh, sports broadcasters, journalism, wherever you wanted to do in this business. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for paving the way for all of us uh, setting an example and, and giving us the, uh, the, the platform to do it and give us a template to like you said, just put our heads down and, and work it hard and moving forward. Thank you so much for blessing us with your time. And let's do this again soon. Have a great and safe holiday season. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. And let's do this again soon. It was, it was our pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thank, thanks all to all of you. And I uh, uh, appreciate uh, the, the work that you guys are doing. And keep on keeping on. Have a great, great holiday season. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank you. Stay, right, safe. You. Stay safe, Mr. Mitchell. All right, you got it. Thank you. And that was, and that was Fred Mitchell, a longtime sports writer uh, from Chicago. He worked with the Chicago Tribune for the last 41 years. He's an author of 12 books. And uh, he's just a great gentleman, and he sets an example for everyone that wants to do uh, what he does and, and achieve a legendary status. With that being said, let's take our short break. When we come back, we'll have Mr. Rob Schaefer on for NBC Sports Chicago. He's, he's their uh, Chicago Bulls writer. He'll break down the draft picks from the Chicago Bulls from the 2020 draft, and we'll get our NFL picks in, and we'll preview the big weekend in college football. You're listening to the weekend edition of Sega City Sports. Zoom style. Welcome back to the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena McGee on the IG. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can catch this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other programming for War Media by searching for War on Anchor. Wherever you download your podcast uh, pot platforms, make sure you search for War on Anchor. We're on iHeartRadio. When you download that app, make sure you type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we also are on the tube. You can see us, a.k.a. YouTube, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You not only can only hear us, but now you can see us. Hello. 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 All right, that's enough. <laughs> that's All right. That was better. In our next segment, we'll have Mr. Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago. He's their Chicago Bulls writer. He'll hop on with us in a few minutes to review the Bulls uh, draft from Wednesday night. And we'll have our uh, college football preview. But right now, Lakina, let's jump into our rapid fire with our week 11, I believe, NFL picks. Yes, sir. All right. Who's in the lead? 
You still are. You're still in the lead, but uh, Lamont's right behind you at one game back, and I'm right behind him at one game back, too. So there's a two-game sort of, you know, yeah, it's getting close here, guys. Yeah. <laughs> hey, right. see, you remember that song? You remember that song from the Monkees? Here we come. <laughs> oh, gosh. Only, look, only people our age will know that reference, but <laughs> too. But uh, let's get right to it here. Uh, we should be able to get these games, these games really quick. Um, first up, we got Bengals and Washington. I'm going with Washington. Cincinnati. They've been the last couple of weeks, and I think they'll pull through because they're at home. Cincinnati is still a rebuilding young team. I'm going with Washington. You got Cincinnati, Lamont? It's the catch-up game. It's the catch-up catch game. Catch game, Sid. I will catch you. I'm going with Cincinnati. Cincinnati will beat Washington because Joe Barrow is the truth. And Washington got no quarterback. Yeah, but they don't have no – but Cincinnati doesn't have an old, old line either. So I, I trust Washington's uh, they, they defensive, need defensive line that I do. They going uh, out soon. Uh, well, you know, it should be a shootout, though, but I think Washington wins it. I think they're going to be mad about not winning that game against the Lions um, last week. And a tricky one here in the we NFC. Don't see. A good one here in the NFC South. You got the Falcons and the Saints. It looks like it's Taysom Hill will be under center. Yes. Um, yes, they're acting a fool down here. They, they're saying Jameis Winston couldn't get nothing right. James Winston will not lose the rest of their season is what they're saying down here. They don't believe in James at all down here. They think Taysom will be the guy. So, therefore, I will be going with my Saints. Even though Evan Kamara didn't practice on Thursday with the foot, hopefully he's good enough to go. I think uh, Taysom Hill will do a decent job at running back. Like you said, Lamont, last week, give – Alvin Kamara, the ball. Let's see how head coach Champagne will be creative on offense. I know Atlanta pulled out the upset down the Superdome uh, down there a year ago, but I do not see the same thing happening unless the Saints shoot themselves in the foot. I'm going with New Orleans. I got New Orleans, too. All right, Saints and, Saints and Jags. Saints and Jags? Yeah, yeah I was still with the Jags. I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> still with the Jags. Sorry. <laughs> Pittsburgh. 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 It should be. It should be an easy one. Pittsburgh. All right. Patriots fresh off their upset against the Ravens. You know, go on the road to Texas to take on Houston. Mm. This is a hard one. <laughs> it is. But I'm, going, but I'm going with the Patriots. I'm going with the Patriots too because I don't believe in Houston. I was this close to picking Houston, but then again, I knew better, so I'm going to pick the Patriots. <laughs> they go back to 500. All right, Philly and Cleveland. Uh, yeah, Philly broke, Philly broke my heart last week. I'm going with Cleveland. Philly, I don't know. Philly, no. I'm going with Cleveland. Yeah, Philly, Philly, yeah, Philly made me mad that last week, so I'm picking the Browns out of spite, if <laughs> anything. I'm throwing y'all in the clean sweep. Watch Philadelphia win this game, too, even though they're going back on the road. But until they show me something, I'm going with Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. Smart. Um, <laughs> Detroit and Carolina. I'll tell you, Bridgewater will be out. So I'm gonna, I, I'll, I'll pick the Lions, even though I don't want them to win because I want Matt Patricia gone. <laughs> <laughs> you stole my pick, but I'm jumping on the back. Where they get the Lions? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, me too. Cause I was like, uh, the Lions got to get better, and they gonna catch the Bears. So watch out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know it. A battle of sixty-three here in the AFC. You got the Titans and the Ravens, both coming off losses. I'm going with Baltimore because they're at I'm going with Baltimore only because don't nobody believe in them no more. Does your mother still believe in their team? <laughs> right. Yes, she does. All right. She <laughs> still believes in Lamar Jackson. She, she <laughs> loves her Lamar Jackson. I have to she say. She said they've been hitting them hard. Oh, yeah, I hit them too hard, okay. Uh, yeah, there's something about angry Ravens. I, I think people are giving up on Baltimore again, even people in Baltimore. So what do you know? The Ravens will probably have their best game of the season, and the Titans have been kind of iffy the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to pick Baltimore because they're at home. All right, the 0-9 Jets and the Los Angeles Chargers. The first 3 o'clock games. Oh, what's that, what's that Chargers. Jets and the Chargers. Oh, Chargers. 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 Chargers, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Miami, Tua, and the Dolphins go to the Mile High City to take on the Broncos. I got an upset. Mm. I'm going with Denver. Hmm, okay. Mm. Hmm, all right. Lamont? Well, if Cincinnati don't catch you, Miami will. I'm cool with Miami. So <laughs> I'll meet you at the top, Sid. <laughs> Two, something about Tua. I don't know how he's going to be able to play in that in that altitude. That's going to be like my one number one concern. So I'm going to go with you, Sid. I think the Broncos will pull off the upset, I believe. All right. All right. Next that's up, the okay. three. I'm okay. I'm okay. All right, that's enough out of you, Lamont. <laughs> All right, you got the America's Game of the Week. I, I don't know if that's true or not for Fox, but you got the Cowboys and the Vikings. <laughs> mm. I'm going with the Vikings. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I don't think Dallas can stop no running by. I don't think Dallas can stop anybody. I think Dallas might end up with the number one pick. <laughs> that's how bad I believe in Dallas. <laughs> so I'm going with the Vikings. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's a short week, but they're but you know the missiles they're playing at home. I know the Cowboys are, are fresh off a bye. I don't think it's gonna help. I think that the Vikings are seizing the opportunity to get back at five hundred, perhaps maybe challenge for that wild for those wild card spots. I think, I think the Vikings will win. I think Dalvin Cook will rush for like almost two hundred yards. <laughs> Look, one quick thing, Lakina, it, it's a Vikings catch the Bears week. That's what it is. The Vikings <laughs> catch the Bears and then overtake the Bears the following week. That's what's gonna happen. That might just happen. Uh, <laughs> and what will probably okay? This inter interconference, what should be the game of the week? You got the Packers and the Colts. Oh, that's gonna be a good game. Yes, that's. I'm mean, I'm back and forth with this one. It pains me to I, say this. I'm going with Green Bay. You know, I never want. And if Jason was here, he would agree with. I never ever ever want to pick Green Bay, but I'm picking them. But I don't want to. <laughs> but it's gonna be a good game. It yeah. Will, yeah, it'll be a very entertaining game. Um, you know what? I'm gonna pick the Packers too. I know the Colts. You know, they, I know they're gonna want to try to swarm. You know, Aaron Rodgers. I know, but you know what though? I think Rodgers actually does do a good job. I think he may want to redeem himself too because he didn't have a really good game against the Jags last week. So I'm gonna pick the Packers. 
All right, should be a good one here in the right. AS. Should be a good one here in the AFC West. You got the Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders do not have a defensive line because of their players being on the COVID list. Probably most of them will be off the list by the time the game starts. Uh, the Chiefs are looking for a revenge because they lost a, a rare home game to them last month. Of course, the Raiders caught them off guard. The Chiefs won't be caught off guard here. I'm going with Kansas City on the road. Yeah, I see they ain't not only that, Sid, they're going to be mad. They're going to pull out some plays mm -hmm. that they ain't even pulled out yet. They're they going to go up there and try to destroy They're going to try to destroy the Raiders. I'm going Kansas City. Yeah, I think I think Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid probably have this game circle, especially after what happened a few weeks back when they beat them at Arrowhead. So, look, I, I think they're going to throw the playbook away and just, you know, let's just, you know, he's going to slung it. So, the Chiefs will probably win it pretty handily because, like you said, Sid, they don't have a you know the Raiders don't have a defensive line. A lot of those guys are be, you know, could be cut off the COVID list, so it, it might be a blowout. You never know. <laughs> All right, this Monday night should be a good one here. This is going to be another hard one. They got the Rams and the Bucks. I'm going with Tampa Bay. It's going to be a classic. Classic shootout, I believe. Uh, both defenses uh, are not that good, but I think Tom Brady will have enough to pull through. They'll carry some momentum from last week's game. I'm going with Tampa Bay. You know what? I might lose my lead because of this, but I'm going to go with the upset, man. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think Aaron Donald going to hit Tom Brady and change his way of thinking. Yeah, I this, this this has like Aaron Donald three sack game written all over it. I I I'm gonna go with the upset. You know the whole time zone thing is not gonna work. Not gonna because it's at night and it's on Monday, so it won't even make a difference. So I think it's gonna be like like what the pack with you know the Bucks into the Packers. I think if the Rams will win it, I think they'll win it pretty handily. All right, yeah, that was a week. Yeah, that was a week eleven NFL picks. Uh, join us back next week as we. Pick our games for week number 12 as we transition now back to basketball, in particular the Chicago Bulls. And join us right now to discuss the Bulls' uh, draft picks made in the 2020 draft from Wednesday night is Mr. Rob Schaefer. He's the Chicago Bulls writer. You can check out his work at NBC Sports Chicago. And you can download the My Teens app, and you can check out his work there. And you can follow him on Twitter at Rob underscore Shafe. Once again, at Rob underscore shape rob welcome to second series sports second city sports rather how are you i'm good how are you guys uh Yay. that's better than i've that's better than i've ever plugged myself so i appreciate that uh, <laughs> <intro>. <laughs> no uh, problem you do great work uh, on of course the bulls with their first round pick they select a small forward patrick williams six eight small forward out of florida state he weighs at 225 pounds of course if uh, you've been reading the blogs and the post on Twitter, just like we all have. And of course, most of Bulls Nation, uh, they're in question about this pick only because they haven't watched Florida State play. Of course, Patrick Williams led the team in scoring coming off the bench. Uh, uh, what, are your, what were your initial thoughts uh, when Arturis Konishevis and GM Mark Eversley made this first round pick? Sure. Yeah, there was there was a little buzz in the in the days leading up to the draft that they were looking at him um, and seriously considering a number four. I, I think the first reaction for a lot of people is that it's a bit of a reach, um, and it's it's still it might end up being. Um, I think for that reason, it's been a little polarizing in the fan base. I've seen that reaction too. 
Um, kind of who is this kid? You know, nobody's seen a ton of him. Obviously, yeah, he comes off the bench uh, every game he appears, and he did win six man of the year for the ACC, which means something. Um, and kind of had a uh, more of like a defensive-minded role um, with them. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the ball in his hands a ton, although he does have some ability. Uh, he played point guard three years in high school, and is he's one of those. Uh, you know, I'm not comparing him to Anthony Davis, but he's one of those Anthony Davis types where you grow up and you're a point guard in your formative years, and then you have the growth spurt, and now you have guard skills and a forward body. I, th- I think that's intriguing. Um, I, I think it's a pick. It's hard for me to to slam a pick. It's hard for me to, like, overly criticize it. Just because he's, he's 19, he's the youngest kid in the class, um, a, a youngest collegiate kid in the class. He's got potential. He has all these ancillary skills that if they all come together, I think he could be a pretty quintessential modern, um, you know, small forward, power forward, space the floor, uh, put it on the floor a little bit and, and be um, a pretty capable wing defender, disruptive wing defender. Um, so I think in a draft where a lot of people were all over the place with their evaluations, um, if this is the guy that the new front office thinks has the highest upside, I, I think it's good to take the chance. And if it goes against convention, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said that um, to tune out the noise and to kind of make the pick um, that you think is the best in a vacuum. So uh, I'll reserve judgment, final judgment, at least until we see him in some games at the NBA level. He seems ready from his, from the perspective of his body being ready. Um, seems like a smart, humble, hardworking kid. Um, so uh, I, I think there's reason to be optimistic about it. There's reason to be skeptical. We just got to wait for the games to start. Well, I think the thing is, Rob, that we don't know any of these guys because we didn't, we didn't have a tournament to sort of, you know, go off of, you know, there were no workouts, you know, let's, you do it, let's say they did it virtually. So I, I tell, I've been telling people, look, I've seen this guy play. This guy is really good. He's a quality uh, young man. You know, he's 19. Everybody says he's a quality kid. So I think that probably played a part too. So do you, do you think that what do you where do you think he fits? Does he fit sort of like the small forward or kind of like the, the big guy kind of uh, sort of aspect of it? So where do you, where do you see him like in that you know Billy Donovan offense? Yeah, from watching him, I actually think he's a four full time in the NBA uh, at least from the start because uh, he's a little bit bigger and you know I think there's going to be he played in, at Florida State they played a switching system they pressed a lot um, so I actually think those contextual elements will help him a little bit. He has. Um, experience kind of playing all over the floor and being versatile and filling a role um, in that way. I, I do think he's in a positionless game. I think he's probably closer to a four, especially if he could space the floor um, and put the ball on the floor and kind of be able to be an offensive mismatch. Um, but then on the defensive end, being strong enough to hang with bigs, uh, but at the same time being having pretty good help instincts. He's a pretty good shot blocker, I think, for his position. Um, so I, I think the fit is, is interesting there. They've got a lot of forwards. They've got a lot of people kind of clogging that position right now. Yeah. Um, uh, from Lowry marketing, Wendell Carter jr. At the center spot. Um, you still got Thad young there, who I think a lot of people have now forgotten about. He's still on this team mm-hmm. and will be expecting a role, um, provided that he's not traded or anything like that. Um, so, you know, in terms of where he fits, I would guess he's kind of coming off the bench at the beginning, um, and kind of earning, earning his spot there. Um, long-term, I, I guess we'll see. I think the ideal scenario for them though, is that he is someone that can play all over the floor. Arturis Karnaschovas was really hammering that he can guard four or five positions and that he should be able to offensively be able to initiate a little bit, but also play off the ball too. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I, like I said, I think ideally he's a four on this team. Um, we'll just kind of see how everybody looks coming out of the gate. Um, but ideally he is this kind of versatile piece that, when you're building a team can kind of fit in with a lot of different types of players. 
I think that's useful if there's going to be a lot of uh, roster turnover. Lamont? Do you think his history with uh, Kobe White had anything to do with it? And you think with them having familiarly playing with one another before had something to do with like a continuity type of situation that they're trying to create there? And do you think that they will use them and maybe even move market into the five some? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, on the offensive side, I, I have questions about um, how Larry Markin would hold up defensively as a center. Now the beauty of playing him with a guy like Patrick Williams is Patrick, he, he has that rim protection ability and he'd be able to cover for him a little bit on the defensive end. And then offensively, you're talking about something that could potentially be really dangerous with the way yeah. marketing can shoot and kind of the multifaceted, you know, we'll see how it all develops, but skill set that um, they think Patrick Williams can have. So I don't know if that's your, your full-time lineup, but certainly in spurts, I think that's interesting. I think Patrick Williams is fit at the four with Wendell Carter Jr. at the five could be really, really stifling defensively too. I think there's something there. There's a lot of versatility and things that they can try out. Um, this will be a good year to try things out as they develop people first year under Billy Donovan. Um, in terms of the Kobe question, yeah, so yeah, we found out um, that they, you know, have been friends for a long time. They both grew up in North Carolina, uh, competed against each other in AAU and in a couple different um, uh, invitationals, basketball showcases, things of that nature. They, they've known each other a while. Um, I think that'll definitely help uh, Patrick as he's getting integrated here because it's such a quick turnaround. I mean, they start training camps. I, I lose track of what day it is, but yeah, in 11 days, they start training camps. You got to be in Chicago. Um, that's a really, really tough turnaround. He seems to have the temperament for it. He seems to kind of be focused on learning and humble and, and the hardworking aspect. So I think he's ready for it in that sense, but to have somebody that you're already comfortable with and familiar with on the team and somebody who just went through the rookie in the NBA experience last year and Kobe White, that wasn't always easy for him in terms of his production was up and down. Uh, his role fluctuated. He didn't start until late in the year. I think that's just a great, you know, I don't know if you'd call Kobe a mentor because he's 20 years old, but that's a great person to be able to lean on. And um, he seems to fit just personality wise with um, the kind of locker room they're putting together. There's still a lot of high character guys in that locker room, a lot of humble guys, um, you know, for all the talk last year about not being happy with the coaching situation, the, the guys in the locker room never seem to turn on each other. There, there's a lot of, um, you know, mutual respect and, and friendship in that, um, in that environment. So um, I think that's all great for him. Um, there are vets in there too. You know, I mentioned Thad Young, if he sticks around, uh, Tomas Sadoransky, great dude. Um, so a, a, as much as it's a young team, there are vets there too, who I think will help bring him along. Um, but the, the Kobe place is just, it's a great place to start. Um, Cause if he can come in and, and make him comfortable and take him under his wing, um, I think all the rest of the stuff, it's just going to be so much easier to um, for that all to blossom. Rob Schaefer, Chicago Bulls writer for NBCSportsChicago.com, is joining us right here on Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee and Lamont Scott. I am Sidney Brown. Rob, let's stick with the Bulls' of draft pick. Their second-round draft pick is center Marco Samanovic from Montenegro. He's a 6'11", 215-pound center. What can you tell us more about him? Yeah, so I obviously haven't watched uh, hardly any of him. I don't think anybody has. I can't claim to be an expert on him. Um, I did find uh, an archive for some of um, the games because their season is going on right now um, over in the ABA, the Adriatic Basketball Association. So I, I found an archive of some games there. I've got their schedule tabbed. I'm going to be watching some more of them. From what I have seen, uh, I watched a game of his this morning. I've seen some scouting videos and, and highlight tapes, things of that nature. Um, you know, he, he seems like a pretty – skilled, versatile, big guy, runs the floor. 
um, shoots it a little bit. I think those are his two biggest skills. Those are the skills that uh, Artaris Karnaschovas highlighted. Um, almost seven feet tall, 21 years old, so potential. Um, but in terms of his impact on the Bulls, uh, he's a draft and stash guy, at least for a yeah. year. That's what AK said. Um, at least one year. He used that strategy a lot in Denver, and some of the guys takes two or three years to come over, um, or they kind of never make it over and make an impact at all. So I don't think our expectations should be super, super high at this point. Um, but he's certainly interesting, and it, it makes sense to, to use the draft and stash. They're kind of tight on roster spots right now. They've got um, depending on uh, if Denzel Valentine accepts his qualifying offer, which I think we expect to, um, and depending on how free agency goes, they could really only have one, maybe no roster spots to give out. Um, so it, it's, I, I think it's a good move to get a guy that you're intrigued by, but maybe don't have the highest expectations for, see how he develops overseas. And, you know, if you can use him, if you can bring him over here, he seems like he's a fit for what a modern uh, big man should be uh, with his ability to space the floor and, and be mobile. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that develops, but, um, you know, I, it's, it's funny. I was joking around about this. He actually plays for the team in, in Serbia that, uh, Nikola Jokic used to play for, um, which is Arturis Karnaschovas' biggest draft claim to fame. Um, so we were joking that like, oh, he's the next Jokic, which nobody should obviously ever expect that, but, uh, it's, it's a funny connection. It's a funny connection. And never know. You never know. <laughs> no, I guess, I guess not. And it's, it's, it, so that'll be a fun thing to follow. Um, I'll be excited to get into some uh, ABA Adriatic League basketball. Uh, and yeah, we'll see how he develops. <laughs> very should be very interesting there, Rob. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. What do you think are the real uh, realistic expectations that Bulls fans have for this team? You know, you got a totally new front office, you got a new coaching staff. I've heard people say that, well, you know what, if we, you know, compete for a playoff spot, especially with the schedule being what it is. What are your expectations? Yeah, I, I think reasonable expectations. I, I don't think you can put the playoff um, expectations on them yet because we saw they did that last year, right? It, it was from coming into the season. It was we expect our goal is to make the playoffs. And I don't think it's a bad thing to set goals like that and to chase them, but to put them out in the media and to really have that hang over you for an entire season – I think it made the scrutiny all that more intense when things started to turn south. So I, I think the lesson learned from that and for a new regime and for a new coaching staff is probably going to be, um, we're going to take a developmental, a slow, patient approach here. And I think reasonable expectations, if they can just, if we can just look at individual players on this team and say that they are better this time next year than they are now. Um, and I think there are a lot of cases where, you know, after down seasons last year, like a Lowry Markkinen, for example. Um, I, I think there's a lot of room to improve there. Like there's a lot of room for him to have a better season this year than last season. So I would look there, you know, on an individual basis, consistency from a guy like Kobe White, if he could build off that really strong finish he had at the end of last year, Zach Levine taking another step forward, Wendell Carter Jr. staying healthy and showing that he really is this impact defensive player that we all think he can be. Um, and that he has a little bit of offensive juice too. Um, and then obviously all the things with Patrick Williams, all these pieces of potential, if those start to show up on an NBA court, I think those are all reasonable things to expect because they have a player development coach. They've got an all new coaching staff. Um, so individually, I'd be looking at that um, in terms of team wide, just, yeah, just improve the winning percentage. I mean, I know next, next year's draft is supposed to be um, a really strong one, but I don't think they're in a position where you can even have in the back of your mind uh, trying to get another top five pick, trying to tank things of that nature. I think you have to, 
even if it doesn't result in a playoff berth, you have to be thinking forward just with the way that this roster is built. Um, and the way you have decisions on a Zach Levine extension coming up in two years, Lowry Markinen at the end of this year, or maybe before the season starts, you might have to think about an extension for him. Um, so I, I don't think because you could look at all the individual stuff and see improvement there. I don't think, you know, we should get the pitchforks out if they aren't a playoff team next year. Um, but, uh, yeah, you definitely want to see individual improvement. You want to see the winning percentage getting better. And I mean, the good news for them is with the, with the play-in format that they have this year, um, it's not going to be a straight, you have to be a top eight seed. If you're a 10 seed, you get into this playoff tournament that they're doing the play-in tournament for the seventh and eighth seed and you'll have a chance. So maybe that adds an exciting element to, um, where they really only have to finish 10th in the East to, to have a chance. Um, so it's not playoff or bust for me. It's more player development or bust, um, improvement or bust. And, you know, I, I think the thing that is unfortunate about a season like last season is it makes a lot of people lose faith. But now that we're entering this, ne this next year, the bright side is it, it kind of can't be worse. You know, it, there's nowhere to go but up um, with, without a, a more eloquent way of saying it. Uh, so yeah, that, that'll all be stuff to track the player development stuff. And, um, yeah, if, if they could just make some kind of sizable, you know, four to eight win jump uh, in the first year under Billy Donovan, you could at least feel like they're going in the right direction. Lamont? Speaking with the draft, what team do you think came out of Wednesday better, be it draft or trade? And what's going on with them? Uh, I think Philly was my big winner in terms of other teams that I was watching, how they operated. Um, I like Josh Richardson. I think that getting, you know, working a trade for him where he goes to Dallas, where I think he's going to be really great. I think he's a great perimeter defender that they could really use. Um, and getting a guy like uh, Seth Curry, who's one of the best shooters in the league, um, can run a little pick and roll, can handle it a little bit, underrated defender. Um, so you get him, you get a guy like Isaiah Joe in the second round. Uh, at Arkansas, they got a guy in Paul Reed, local guy to Paul, uh, with the 58th pick that I am really, really high on. I kind of couldn't believe that he slipped that far. Um, so you look at those selections. You look at a guy like Tyrese Maxey, who was so uh, highly regarded coming out of high school, slipping to 21. Um, you know, I know people are concerned about his jumper. I think they weren't the most ideal circumstances in his year at Kentucky. Just there was a lot of uh, – there was a logjam in that backcourt – um, I think, you know, in, in a better context, and it seems like Philly's going to be, I think there's reason he can pull that up to being a league average or better um, three-point shot. Um, but I just think adding that shooting, um, adding a little bit on the perimeter, uh, they got Danny Green too on draft day um, and got off of Al Horford's contract, which is a big deal for them. I just think they now seem like a roster that is better built around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, who are their two superstars. Um, I'd be looking for them. And I was high on them last year because I liked their last offseason too. And obviously that, you know, crashed and imploded. But this year, I, I really think they could be the kind of sneaky dark horse East team where everybody's eyes are on Milwaukee. Everyone's eyes are on Boston. Everybody's eyes are on Brooklyn, Miami. But I really think Philly now with a, not only do they have the superstar talent, they now have pieces around them and floor spacing that is really going to amplify them. I, I could see them being a real dark horse, um, sneaky competing for the East uh, at the top of the East next year. Heading down the home stretch with Rob Schaefer, Bulls writer for NBCSportsChicago.com. Join us here on Second City Sports. Rob, last question from me, and we'll, let's stick with the moves of outside of the Bulls. Of course, you mentioned Milwaukee. They traded for Drew Holiday from New Orleans and then pair him up with Giannis. Of course, Chris Paul was traded from 
Oklahoma City to Phoenix, uh, pairing up with Devin Booker. I'll I'll ask you this question from a Milwaukee perspective. Uh, assuming they make another move or two, whether it's in midseason or uh, during the summer, right before Giannis enters the Kupos free agency period, does the move of Drew Holiday in the progressive uh, forward think of the Bucks management? Do you think that will uh, there'll be enough to keep Giannis in Milwaukee? Um. Well, I think it really depends uh, how this season plays out. Now, he could also – the other thing is his deadline to sign that extension, that Supermax extension, which could be um, in the $250 million, 220 to $250 million range. The deadline for that, he can sign that before the season starts, and then the question kind of goes away. Yeah, he's in Milwaukee for at least mm-hmm. another two years, and then he can requ- – the contract, he can't request a trade in the first year of it. He could, so he's there for at least two years at that point. Right. Um, so he could just quiet that question entirely. So we'll see if he does that. Uh, but if he doesn't, if he waits until the off season to rethink again and see how they do in the playoffs this year, um, they better hope so. Cause they gave up a lot to get Drew holiday. They gave up three first round picks and two pick swaps. I, that is a move that I figured that they made with the idea that Giannis was ready to resign now. Um, because even if you're Giannis, right, if you're not sure, why are you going to let the team that you might potentially resign with, sell off all of their draft assets for the next four or five years. That doesn't seem smart from his perspective either. So I think from their perspective, it seems like they made that move uh, with the idea that he might stay. Now, obviously this Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, the, the guard that they got from Sacramento, yeah. or they thought that they got that this is now becoming like a very strange story that we don't know how it's going to play out, but it doesn't look like they're getting him. That was a move that I love for them. Um, and it required giving up less than the, than the drew deal. Um, so you know, it depends if he doesn't sign the extension for the off season. I mean, it's really finals or bust. And the problem for them is with that Bogdan move falling through, I think they're a better team than they were last year, but the East did not get any weaker this off season. I mean, Boston from with their wings um, taking another step forward, you know, we'll see if they lose Gordon Hayward, but they'll, they'll still be vying. They'll still be um, near the top of that conference. Miami, beat them pretty soundly. Like they, they, I know it was in the bubble and it's a different environment, but they didn't look close to the quality of team that, that Miami was in the bubble at least. So that's, I mean, that's a team that they're not going anywhere. Uh, Brooklyn rising from the ashes. I hope we haven't all, you know, as an NBA community forgotten about Kevin Durant and how he's, you know, when he's healthy, he's the second best player in the world, to be honest with you, second or third best player in the world. Um, So hopefully he can be what he was before the Achilles, just for the sake of basketball fans everywhere. Um, so it didn't get easier, their path to the finals and they, they did get better. Um, but if it's another conference finals out and he doesn't sign that extension in the off season, you know, it's kind of fair game. It, it seems like though, that Giannis is the type that he might be the first one to, of this, uh, player empowerment, player movement era. It kind of seems like he might have the personality where he's the first one to stay. Um, I think it, it honestly could be good as much as I know Bulls fans are, you know, clamoring. I don't think the Bulls would be in a position to, to sign him next offseason or anything, but I know people want a shot. Um, a lot of Miami Heat fans, a lot of Warriors fans, a lot of Mavericks fans think that they have a shot. Um, and, and those would all, you know, it, it would be a lot of fun no matter where he went. I do think there's an element where it'd be good for basketball if he was to stay and was to take Milwaukee all the way. So, um, I, you know, I, th- I think either outcome will be interesting. Um, but I will say, in terms of Drew putting them over the top for the finals, I think it's possible. But without that Bogdan Bogdanovich move and with all the teams that are still going to be competitive in the East, I'm not 100% sure. Not 100% sure. 
Um, I would have a hard time picking them to come out of the East right now. Um, I don't know who I would pick, but it, it, it would not be a slam dunk Milwaukee for me. Uh, after they really, really sold me last year, I thought they were an all-time great team. They had such a great regular season last year, and they let they I, I picked them to make it out of the East. They let me down, so I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, trust them again. I'm not gonna trust them again until uh, until I see something different. So twenty twenty eight, exactly, exactly. So uh, Rob, last question from me with COVID and with the you know, the abbreviated seventy two game season. How do you think the travel? What do you think the travel is going to be? Do you think are they just going to keep it like regional, or they going to have like play each other in the division multiple times? So, what do you see the schedule looking like for this coming season? Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting question because they there was talk that they were going to reduce travel by something like twenty or twenty five percent, and I think they still can depending on how they order the schedule. If they can like strategically make it so, say the Bulls go to Los Angeles. Uh, to play the Lakers and they play the Lakers and the Clippers at the same time or something, you know, you can, you can, there are ways that you could strategically do it um, kind of on the same road trip. Uh, but they did release the schedule and who the bulls and every team's opponents were going to be. And there was no weighted towards the division more than anything else. It was, uh, they're going to play every team in the East three times. They're going to play every team in the West twice. And there's no, Oh, we're going to really, really try to tighten this and keep it only regional. Um, so I think that's uh you know, it, it's, there's benefits and drawbacks to that. Um, I, I get, we got to wait and see what the schedule order looks like. Um, but it did not look like they took advantage of restricting travel in the same way that I, that I thought they were going to. Um, so we'll see, they still haven't released the league wide COVID protocols yet. Um, I know some uh, arenas are kind of governing themselves and they're going to let fans in. I don't, I don't know anything about this pure speculation. I wouldn't expect the Bulls would have fans just because Illinois is in such a a rough place um, and especially Cook County with COVID right now, it, it would surprise me. Um, but I know some, some teams are, and some teams think they can do it. Um, so we'll see that the Raptors news was interesting today that they're going to start the season uh, in Tampa. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's just something that it seems like has kind of flown under the radar because the draft and free agency is so right on top of each other. But once the dust settles on that next week, when players have to report to markets and start getting tested and you know, it, I hate to say it, but it's going to happen. There are going to be players that test positive eventually because we're not in a bubble anymore. It's just going to be interesting to see um, kind of how the league handles it. Uh, so, I, again, the, the travel thing kind of surprised me. I think they'll do some stuff to kind of restrict it a little bit. There will be some kind of inventive, creative uh, thing that they do to um, tighten that up a little bit. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see. It, it does not look like, unfortunately for the Bulls, that um, they're going to be playing their division opponents more than anybody else. Um, because I know they'd love to play uh, Cleveland and Detroit each 10 times a year. You know, that's, a, <laughs> I know that's something that would be beneficial for the Bulls. So. Lamont. Um, other than, other than uh, the Bulls uh, non-draft signing that they got out of Kansas, do you think any other picks slid under the radar that didn't get picked that might make an impact going forward? Yeah, well, I love the the Devon Dotson pickup. Love it, and and everybody I know Me that is, it, I, I everybody who's in scouting, everybody who's in just like a big college basketball fan loves loves yes. Devon Dotson. So I think that's a great pickup, especially when it looks like they're going to lose um, Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison to you know really good defensive point guards. I I just he's like a he's good. He's speedy. He's got um, good scoring ability and and has a defensive kind of focus too. Um, so I love yeah. that pickup, Chicago kid. Um, I, I think that's great on a two-way deal. 
Um, so I definitely think that, I mean, I hate to sound bulls biased, but that might even be the, the best under the radar undrafted free agent signing. Uh, another one that stuck out to me was Memphis got um, a guy, Killian Tilly from Gonzaga uh, oh, yeah. as an undrafted free agent. He's another dude. I mean, he struggled with injuries. He's a four yeah. year, uh, four year student at Gonzaga. And he was injury prone, but when he was healthy, um, I mean, that dude could just shoot the He just flat out shoot the ball. He's really smart. Yes. Passing ability for a center. So I think if they can keep him healthy or even if they could just use him in a limited role, um, I just really like what Memphis is doing. I like the young team they're putting together. They're going to be better next year too. Um, so yeah, really, I think that Dotson move was among the best. Uh, but Tilly was one that caught my eye where I was like, I, I like, I like what Memphis is doing. They're doing some smart stuff. All right. Great stuff. That was Rob Schaefer, Chicago Bulls writer for NBC Sports Chicago. You can catch his work by downloading the My Teams app, search for NBC Sports Chicago, and you can go to NBCSportsChicago.com to check his work there. And he's also the part of the Bulls Talk podcast, along with Jason Goff, our guy Tony Gill, and Casey Johnson, and Michael Walton II over there. All you guys are doing great work over there at NBC Sports Chicago. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob underscore Schaefer. Once again, that Rob underscore shape. Rob, thank you for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, great job dropping some nuggets, as the kids would say. <laughs> and once the season starts, don't be a stranger to come back on the program again. 100%. Yeah, hit me up whenever. It was, it was fun. It was good to talk to y'all. You too. Thanks. You stay safe. You too. You too, for sure. Thanks. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, y'all. I'm going to hop off. All right. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. All right. Once again, that was Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago. He joined us via uh, remote and giving us the nuggets on the Chicago Bulls draft picks and what he expects uh, the 2020-21 season. Uh, We have these last couple minutes left, you guys. Uh, Let's quickly get in some key games in college football this weekend. I'm looking forward to the Wisconsin Badgers traveling to the Northwestern to take on the Northwestern Wildcats at Evanston. That's a Saturday game at 2.30 p.m. on ABC. Guys, I've been on Northwestern's bandwagon all season long. It's going to be a close battle. It's going to be a, a, a tough game between two good teams. I believe it's four out of five or five out of six that um, – the Wisconsin Badgers have defeated the Northwestern Wildcats. Is in the backyard of the Wildcats up there in Evanston. Call me college football stupid, but it's going to be a last-second field goal. I'm going with Northwestern to go five and zero. Oh, I'm guaranteeing it. We're gonna we're gonna mark that. We're gonna mark that. Okay. We're gonna mark that. <laughs> look, Mark. Look, Mark. Yeah, love, mark it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. Um, I think That's for, how you do me with my noise. <laughs> for me, I'm looking forward to Indiana and Ohio State. You know, Ohio State, Ohio State hasn't lost to Indiana since '88 when Trent Green was the quarterback. Go back on the wayback machine with that one. So uh, that should be that should be a fun one there, and I know Ohio State's been itching to play because they did not play last week, unfortunately. So I know they're itching to play that game, and also for me, the Bedlam series between OK State and Oklahoma for control of the Big Twelve that should be a fun one there. This might be uh, the Cowboys' uh, best opportunity to, to beat OU, even though OU's been playing better lately. I'm looking forward to those two games, and the also the Ohio State Indiana game is a big noon Saturday game on Fox. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
What about you, Lamont? Yeah, that's 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 this is this is make it or break it for Indiana. Now, I was on that Ohio State Indiana game. This is is Indiana real or are they a basketball school? That's what we're gonna find out. Is that quarterback real or is he just a flash in the pan? We're gonna find out those tomorrow. We're gonna find out. I wanna get your opinion. I wanna get your mind on this game quickly. Uh, you'll find the line at one and t- uh, one and three. Uh, Lovey Smith squad that traveled to Nebraska to take on the one and two Cornhuskers. Does Lovey Smith get his second win of the season? Yes, he do. Nebraska ain't ready for that running game. Nebraska ain't yeah. ready for the Illinois running game. Oh. Write it down. Oh gosh, I got to mark that step that down too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that should, that should be a, that should be a fun one there too. Um, locally, there's another one here that I was looking forward to USC against Utah. Utah has not played a game yet. So I know they've been, they've been itching to kind of get, you know, get, you know, on the field because, you know, COVID restrictions, you know, they've had a couple of games canceled, so they could give USC a run for their money. So that's something to look forward to there. That's, that's the late game on ESPN, a little Pac-12 after dark, finally. And also, too, yeah. since Lamont down there in Louisiana country, uh, the two and three LSU Tigers traveled to Arkansas to face the three and four Razorbacks. How you see that one playing yeah. out? Um, a lot of people down here don't think they can beat them. A lot of people think Arkansas is underrated. And Arkansas, they think Arkansas might smack them in the face. A lot of radio people down here thinking Arkansas might smack them in the face. I would be watching that game. And you know what? I might have to go with Arkansas because I don't mm. believe it. Hmm. That's a pretty good Arkansas team, I, I have to say. They so they, they could, yeah, they looked really good. I've seen a couple of their games. Arkansas looked good, but LSU looked bad, man. LSU looked bad, even in practice. They're not looking good. <laughs> They're not looking good at all. <laughs> not looking good. Um, Unfortunately, the Cincy Tulsa game was supposed to be scheduled for next Saturday is now been rescheduled for December 12th because of the you know, COVID issues. I think the issues too down in Oklahoma. So with everything going on, do you guys think they'll be able to finish the season? Because they've been like about a dozen games that's been canceled. That's supposed to have been tomorrow. It's supposed to, you know, these games are supposed to take place, but a lot of them have been canceled or postponed. So what do you guys think COVID continues to reach have, wreak havoc in the college football season? You know, if Kobe keep doing what he's doing, I think they're going to have to just put names in a hat and say, this is who's going to play and, and come up with their games. And, and that's how it's going to have to go. I think I'm kind of with Lamont on this one. I don't think they'll make up all the games, but whoever finishes with the most wins and, uh, and whoever gets their games completed, this college football season will be completed. Even heaven forbid, and I oh, do mean heaven forbid, the worst comes the worst, uh, they will – they will finish the season because the, the money pot is so big with that college football playoff. They are not leaving that stone unturned. Even if it takes two or three months, I'm just being hypothetical here, they will have crowned the national champion. Like Lamont said, if all those games don't get ma- made up, they'll just have to pick a team out of a hat. <laughs> For the President's Day, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what they're going to do. Special note, though, also Trevor Lawrence makes his return. After uh, recovering from COVID, uh, playing uh, they go at Tala- in Tallahassee to play Florida State, and uh, I think the Tigers they were off last week. They're not going to be in a very good mood. So uh, Florida State, I think they better run because <laughs> I don't think they're going to be in a very good mood. Okay, so. 
What's that, Lamont? Let me ask you a question. Would you come back if you was Trevor Lawrence? You know you're the number one pick regardless. Would you even come back? I think he wants to I think he wants to try and win another championship. I really do. I, I think they still got a chance to do it as long as they don't lose any more games. They may have, they'll probably end up playing Notre Dame again, you know, for the ACC title. And I think that was the big difference that he didn't play. So I I wouldn't be I I don't mind him coming back. I think he wants to he wants to go out on as a winner. I mean, but like if you was him and you knew it was set for you, you did, you know, would you come back for what? He doesn't you know want to play I'm for the. Like, he doesn't want to play for the Jets. That's that's my. He he, he, he can try to make it make it seem like a lot. He doesn't want. He that doesn't matter. But I think I it, it does. It does. It really does. I, I won't come. Eli yeah. Manning. Yeah. If I'm Trevor I Lawrence, I won't come back. We in that day and age now. Players feel empowered. They'll pull it. Eli. I ain't going. Period. Tell them take Josh Fields. Huh? Go ahead, Sid. Yeah. I think he'll say, Take that. I ain't going. I think he'll pull an Eli. Yeah, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I wouldn't stay in school either because what? can you guarantee that you'll be the number one pick next year? I don't think so. Take the opportunity while you have it. If you end up playing for the Jets, so be it. Like Lamont said, if you can pull that Eli Manning car, you could do that too. All right. Well, all right. We'll see. We'll see. It will be very interesting. That That's something to look forward to as the season goes. We'll see what happens now. What, what, real quick, what are you guys looking forward to this weekend? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be – No, go ahead, Sid. Go ahead, Sid. Okay. Uh, I'll start. I think it's going to be – even though you have uh, some more postponements in college football, it looks like uh, compared to the NFL, it's a better slate in college football games on Saturday than it is for the NFL on Sunday. And P.S. Lamont, your guy Dick Stockton will not be working this weekend, so he'll be enjoying a, a Sunday, y'all. So he'll be watching the games with us. So I'm looking forward to uh, college football uh, more, a little bit more than the NFL. Uh, I love the NFL more, but it looks like college football is more intriguing this weekend uh, than uh, than it has been since the start of the season. Also, too, I'm looking forward to uh, the uh, the NBA. Like Rob said, uh, training camp start in the after Thanksgiving, so things should be interesting there. Hopefully some more exciting moves to come. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, – before I get to the looking forward, we didn't get a chance to cover is, – is Russell Wilson back last night? Is, is he ready? Is he back? Are they back? We didn't get a chance to mention that earlier. What you what you think right quick before we get off the air? You think he's I think back? he has one foot in and one foot out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, yeah, that's what I was saying. I wasn't sure. I was like 50-50. But what I'm looking forward to, uh, definitely them college games and uh, NBA moves. Like, even my little cousin hasn't made a move yet. So I'm trying to see what they're going to do in these NBA moves. And, of course, I got a pay-per-view Sunday with the WWE, so you know I'm going to be watching <laughs> that. One day, that's what I'm going to get. Look, I got a wrestling guest I'm going to get on here for y'all. One day, and we're going to talk wrestling for like 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds we're good. We're looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, so that sounds good. Um, look, as far as Russell Wilson, I think, look, I think the defense is just enough to – I had this. I had the Seahawks beating the Cardinals because I think they would be upset after losing that game a few weeks back. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think Russell Wilson, I think he's, he's still kind of – he's in the like, top three or four in the MVP, though. For, for me, I'm looking forward to a great college football slate. 
There are a couple of NFL games. That's why we were able to go through those picks so quick <laughs> because, you know, the, the, the slate's not really that good. But, you know, a great college football slate. There's a great soccer slate, too, in the Bundesliga and in the Premier League as they're back from their respective um, breaks. So I'm looking forward to a big, 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 busy, busy, busy day weekend in sports this weekend. So I can't wait. And with – and with that said, uh, you know, you follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter and at Keena underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E. R-E-G-A-L radio.com. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with all the podcast programming from War Media by simply searching for War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you search for War on Anchor and listen to this podcast on Second City Sports. We are also on iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app when you do. Type in that search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. It works, folks. It'll pop up. And also, we are on the tube, a.k.a. YouTube. We're at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only listen to us, but watch us as well. Popping my collar, as the kids would say. <laughs> Going on the way back machine with that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We also want to thank uh, Fred Mitchell and Rob Schaefer for joining us today. Yeah. Make sure to check out check out the check out the interviews in the show. As you know, Sid just said, you know, many platforms. So make sure you guys download, subscribe, and like. So for the guys on the key, stay safe out there, and you know, wash your hands and you know, put on your mask. And we'll see you next week. This is my second season sports Zoom style. Zoom. Till next time. Holla. <laughs>